Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. I think it's been an 11-part teaching series for those keeping count. And um, this is how it concludes. Having preached his heart out in Matthew chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 6 and all of Matthew chapter 7, Jesus comes to the very end of Matthew chapter 7 and concludes his sermon with the following words. Therefore, now as soon as you see the word therefore, what do you have to do? You have to work out what it's there for. And therefore, means because of this. And it refers back to those rather frightening verses we looked at a couple of weeks ago, where Jesus says to people who assumed they were Christians, I don't know who you are away from me. And um, because of this, because of the thought of that, because of the thought that on the day of judgment, despite all my many attendances at church, my baptism certificate, even my Assemblies of God ministerial certificate, that Jesus could say to me, I I don't know who you are. I never heard of you. So Lord, I, I have a website. I never heard of you. Because of that, Jesus wants to make it very clear what is required. And this is what he says. Therefore, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But, verse 26, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowd were amazed at his teaching. In the message translation, it says, they broke into a round of applause. Well, we don't know if they did that, but they were amazed. Because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers, not as the scribes uh, of the law. After this great long sermon, Jesus finishes with this little illustration like a preacher does, right at the end, throws in a little two-minute story that the preacher feels wraps it all up into something memorable for their audience. And um, there's a reason why it's at the end. It's not at the end because it's least important. It's at the end because it's the one thing Jesus wants the crowd to remember. He wants it to be the last thing in their minds. So it has great significance to us. 
I want to ask the question, what does this little illustration about these two men building houses, one good, one bad, what does it teach? And what, what, what does it mean for us in the 21st century? Here are three answers. Number one, everyone faces storms. Everyone. Jesus talks about a, a wise man building a foundation. Another man who didn't bother with the foundation just put it on sand. But what the Bible doesn't say is that in some strange mystical universe, the man who built his house on the sand had a storm, but the man who had a good foundation didn't have a storm because he had faith or something like that. No, no. The man who worked hard, built a foundation, and as we see, put the words of Jesus into practice, also faced storms. And in fact, the writer, Matthew, recording Jesus' words in Greek from Jesus' original Aramaic sermon, is very careful to repeat exactly, you just have a look in your Bible, exactly the words. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. It's exactly the same in uh, verse 25 and verse 27. It's exactly the same. If you're like the Christian man, the devout lover of God, the prayerful man, and the carefree man who not worried about God, not worried about the teaching of Jesus, both face the same problem. And uh, I, uh, we've preached this probably a hundred times in, the, in, our, in our church over the years, but it always bears repetition. Don't buy any gospel that suggests that you are not going to have any problems. That if only you had more faith, you wouldn't have any illness. Or if only you had more faith, you would you'd be brimming over with more money. Or if only you had more faith, your kids wouldn't be doing what they're doing. Or some nonsense like this. Everyone faces storms. It's like Jesus is throwing it into like a very simple illustration. You don't imagine, do you? That if when we left here today, if while I'm preaching, suddenly we hear this noise. And, you know, it's like rain. And it's terrible. Can I just let you into a little secret? Preachers hate rain. Do you know why? Because while they're preaching, not only is the noise of the rain, but you see all the people in the congregation thinking, did I leave the sunroof open? And you're making a brilliant point about the Greek of First Thessalonians 2. And all they're thinking is, did I leave the washing out? <laughs> and if it starts raining now, while I'm preaching, everyone starts thinking, did I bring the umbrella? Where did we park the car? Or turning to one's husband and thinking, can I get him to drive the car here? But I wanted to imagine a scenario where it begins to rain and we leave here. Some nonsense that... If you were a good person, you wouldn't get wet. But if you were a bad person, you would get wet. No. When it rains, everyone gets wet. When, there's a, when there is a hurricane sandy, good people and bad people are hit by it. I have a friend who was caught in hurricane sandy. And he's posting on YouTube film of his house. You know, he's mo you know a movie of all the water pouring in. Just awful. 
just awful. Everyone faces storms. Some of us have faced some terrific storms in our lives. And it wasn't because we were good or bad. It wasn't because we were a Christian or non-Christian. It's just because we were born on a stormy planet. Stormy in terms of weather, but stormy in terms of life. And the things that happen to us. And the challenges we face. We live in a broken world. Can you say amen? The world is broken. And we live in that world. And uh, so I just encourage you again, please don't buy into any gospel that suggests that heaven has fully arrived. It does not. It will, but it does not arrive yet. When heaven fully arrives, then all our problems will be gone. Until then, we have the Lord with us through the storm, through the fire. When you walk through the waters, the word of God says, when you go through the fire, you will not be burned. No promise of being rescued from the fire. There's some wonderful scriptures that you haven't got written in your, in your bedroom on a poster. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Psalm 34. Verse 19, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Psalm 23, verse 4, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That doesn't sound great, does it? But he says, I'll fear no evil because you're with me. Jesus said, John 16 and verse 33, in this world you will have trouble. What sort of promise is that? Oh, thanks for that. You will have trouble. A friend of mine was attending a prophetic conference in America with one of the most famous prophets in the world. And he sat in his chair saying, oh Lord, please can the prophet call me out to the front. Please, I want him to prophesy over me. Woo. And to his amazement, that guy said, you, come here. Whoa, come here. And he had him stand at the front. He said, the Lord says, the Lord's going to put you in a dungeon for three years. <laughs> he thought, perhaps I'd better go to another conference. <laughs> and everything the man of God said came to pass. In this world, you will have trouble. But rejoice, Jesus said. Take heart, I have overcome the world. Earlier in this sermon, Jesus said this. God causes his son, I love that, his son, not the son. God causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. And sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. See, God is good to all. And all also face difficulties. So that's the first thing. After this great long sermon, you'd have thought Jesus might have said to them, and if you just follow me, boys, you're never going to have any problems. That's not what he says. Having promised them in the sermon, they didn't have to worry about anything. And God was going to provide for them. And if you seek first the kingdom of God, all these things will be added. Despite all this kind of stuff, he concludes it with this thought that actually, but there are still going to be problems. Many people have quit their faith because someone promised them there would be no problems. I never promised that. I never promised that. And storms are not a sign of divine you know, anger. They are not a sign of deficient faith. Neither are they a sign of a demonic assault against you. 
If you put your car in for an MOT and it fails, I promise you it's not a demon. might be a dodgy mechanic, but it's not a demon. It's just, uh, it's just life. That's the first thing. Everyone faces storms. You may be in a storm. Some of us have faced storms of epic, epic proportions in our lives. It's amazing we're still here. In our right mind. And if you're in a storm now, be encouraged that nothing's gone wrong. Or there's nothing wrong with your faith. Or there's nothing wrong with what you've confessed. The second thing I see from the story is this, that it is character that is necessary in the storms. Character. Not Holy Ghost firepower. Not the prayer of Jabez. Not some special anointing. Not some special thing that you pray and recite. Those things may be a great benefit to you. As long as they are building up, ministering into you and creating character in you. Character. It's character that this parable is about. I wonder if when you read it at first glance, you thought to yourself, this is a parable about a believer and a non-believer. Look again, it isn't. It's not a parable about someone who believes in God and someone who doesn't. Jesus said, therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a guy with a good foundation. It is possible, is it not, to hear the words of Jesus from when you were knee-high for 40 years and not to put them into practice. It's possible to be a preacher in an Assemblies of God church and not put the words of Jesus into practice. It's all about doing it now. Not just hearing of it. Not just knowing what it is in Greek. Not just being able to sing it. Not just even knowing what verse it is. It's all about doing it, Jesus said. You've heard these words of mine. Now I want you to go and do them. And if you do them, when the storm comes, not it doesn't mean you don't get the storm, but you're going to stand. You'll survive. You'll be wet. You might have to put a bit of an insurance claim in, but you will survive. But behold, he says, you hear these words of mine, and you don't put them into practice, the storm will come, you'll be knocked out. You'll be knocked out. What's the sermon about? What is the Sermon on the Mount about? If Jesus says these words of mine, he means the specific words he's just said. This sermon. 
Now, of course, it means the whole of the Bible, you know. But particularly here, this sermon. You want to go away on a desert island and be told, look, you could just take three chapters of the Bible with you. Take these chapters. Because Jesus said, if you can obey this part of the Bible, if you can put this into practice, you're going to become a survivor no matter what happens to you. You know, sometimes you hear... Um, Preachers say, right, I've got to preach today. And uh, they say something like, this message is going to change your life. And I think, I don't know, it's going to change my life. Is it really going to change my life? But this sermon, this one of Jesus, not, not Peter Cavanna's rendering of it or explanation of it, but just this sermon as written can change your life if you put it into practice. See, that's what he's saying. What's the sermon about? I think it's about three things. So this is a summary, really, of these last 11, 12 weeks. It's about moral living. Do not lie. Do not get angry. Do not commit adultery, not even on the inside. Don't show off about your spirituality. Be sure to give to the needy. Be sure not to love money. This, this is what the sermon is about, isn't it? Do not judge. Lest you be judged. And what we think is that the grace of God is wonderful. So I don't have to put this into practice because God will love me anyway. Well, God will love you anyway. But when the storm comes, your foundation isn't so good. And you get knocked out. So the sermon is about moral living. Blessed are peacemakers. Blessed are pure in heart. Blessed are the meek. So well, what's the advantage of being meek? You find out when a storm comes what the advantage is about being meek. You'll find God will be with you in a storm if you're a peacemaker. So it's about moral living. It's also about prayer. Jesus teaches them to pray. To ask the Father for things. The Lord's prayer is found here. And number three, it's about trusting God. Do not worry about tomorrow. You know, the birds of the air, the lilies of the field, they grow. They're not worried about their clothes. So those are the three things. The morality. The kingdom morality. That says, if I be struck on one cheek, let them strike me again. The kingdom morality that is not an eye for an eye. doesn't seek justice. But seeks to rather be gracious and offer forgiveness. This is the foundation. It's not singing hymns. Good though that is. It's not even church attendance. Essential though that is. It is putting into practice those three things. The morality of God, trusting in God, and prayer. When the storm comes, you become a survivor. I want to suggest to you that had we gone down and had a look at those two houses, we might have thought they looked very similar. See, foundations are, are often invisible, aren't they? They both looked pretty good. If I went out today to buy a house, 
I've got no idea. I, do, do you know what I do when we bought our home a couple of years ago or a year ago, whenever it was? I just bought, you know, you're just looking around. You're looking for how many plugs are there? Can our bed fit in here? Do I like the kitchen? Let's look at the view. Is it a nice view? But all these things mean nothing if there's an earthquake, yes? It's the foundations that are important, isn't it? That's why you have to spend all that money and get a report and all that. Because the foundations are vital, but you see, you can't see them. So what's my point? My point is this. That someone can look like a Christian, but they're not. Someone can say all the right things. Someone can sing all the right things and be, be, you know, behave in a certain way. But they're not real because the foundations don't exist inside. They have not put these things into practice. Now, I know we all fail at these things. Sometimes we're not very forgiving. Sometimes we do hold on to our money, squeezing onto our pound coin so tightly the queen gets tears in her eyes. But for every time you obey the word of God, you are creating foundations in your life, but they're invisible. I wonder if you've ever been in church where a pillar of the church, either the one of the musicians or a deacon or even a pastor, suddenly, that's it. You find out in the week they've run off with someone and left their wife or left their husband or something like that. And it's a shock. How did this happen? It happened because there were no foundations. They just looked good. What was above looked okay. But what was hidden underneath was not there. People do not backslide overnight. They begin a process of it by neglecting their foundations, the foundations of their spiritual life. And all of a sudden, a temptation arrives, a storm arrives that will knock their house down. Good foundations are invisible. Only you know who you are. People have sometimes said to me, well, Maybe God can give you discernment about people. I've not been very discerning about anyone, ever. I could be just as fooled as the next man. Only you know who you really are. Only I know who I really am. And because of this, Jesus says to them, don't be like these people at the end of the age who say, Lord, here I am. Here's my baptism certificate. Here's my... Yeah, here are all the church services I attended. Here's the money I gave. Jesus said, I don't know who you are. I never knew you. You weren't someone of, of secret faith. Our faith is, let me explain this, our faith is a public thing. But it's also a highly secret thing. In other words, there must be stuff going on in you that no one can see. There must be foundations underneath it all, underneath all the singing and the giving and the chatting. There must be foundations that are real, that when you are cut, the kingdom of God comes out of you. It's inside, it's real. I've been working on it for years. 
for good and for ill. Good times and bad. Better maturity, less maturity. And sometimes we have to challenge. Boldly ask the question, when you see someone behaving in such and such a way, you have to ask the question, is such a one really saved? Have they really been regenerated by the Holy Spirit? Have they really? Because some of the signs are not good. Now I know we all fail. Some of the signs that leak out of us are signs that God needs to keep forgiving us. But there are some who have professed Jesus. They've invited him into their heart, but they didn't invite him anywhere else. He's not invited into their time. He's not invited into their wallet. He's not invited into their bank account. He's not invited into their social sphere. Your faith must be extremely public, but it also must be extremely secret. Stuff that's going on in you that only God knows about, you see. Jesus said, what you do in secret, the Father will reward openly. Let me finish with this thought that these foundations we're talking about, they are expensive. That's why people don't want them. When we're building down in Tennyson Road, you know what I would have loved more than anything else was for the guy from the company to come and say, do you know what? This floor's pretty good. There's no need to spend any money on it. I would have said, amen. That's it. Praise God. That's it. Don't even look at it again. But unfortunately, they got some geezer in from somewhere. <laughs> and they found, you got to do a lot of work on this ground. We had to pay for it every little bit. It was expensive. But you know what? I just had this feeling. There we are in the grand opening, the whole thing falling down. And me going to prison. I thought, I tell you what, let's spend the money. Because if you want something to last, you've got to invest in it. Do you want your Christianity to last? You've got to invest in it. I don't just, we're not talking about money, we're talking about your time, your energies. You've got to invest in it. Good foundations cost. And that's what it is. It's a refoundationing of our lives. It's not an extension. Many Christians think their Christianity is an extension. I accept Jesus as my Savior. Now I'm going to build a little extension for him on my life. No, no, no. It's supposed to be being born again. The whole thing gets knocked down and you start again. That sounds expensive, doesn't it? Sounds radical. It is radical. Poor foundations are quick and easy, but peril awaits. In Luke 6, verse 48, which is the parallel passage to this, it says that the wise builder dug deep. This is the kind of life that Jesus calls us to. It's not easy for a preacher, even a preacher today, to share from the Sermon on the Mount because its standards are radical and high. And the preacher knows that he himself has not attained them. But we're driven on by the Lord to the highest calling. And if you're going to repair your foundations, you have to do that, you have to do that in the sunshine, not in the hurricane. 
And this is what happens to people. Their life begins to fall apart. So they return to their God. But it's not easy to repair foundations during a hurricane. So if you're in a time of blessing in your life, peace. The levels of stress and conflict have reduced. Work hard at your foundations then. Work in the sunshine on them. Do you understand what I mean? Work in the sunshine. There are people who believe God has failed them. There are people who will fall into churches all over the country today. Wiping tears from their face and things have gone awfully wrong for them. But now is not the time to repair the foundation. It must be repaired in the sunny times. Oh, we can we can work on it. But it's not the best time, is it? It's not the best time. I want to finish by reading this story one more time to you, this time if technology will allow me, from the message version. The message version is a sort of a slightly brutal New York version of the Bible. (laughs) Written in very plain language, but I thought this was great. Before my battery goes, I'm going to read this to you. Jesus says this, Therefore, these words I speak to you are not supposed to be incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. These are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you're like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, But nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. But, Jesus said, if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you are like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach when a storm rolled in and the waves came up. It collapsed like a house of cards. I don't want that to happen to me. I don't want that to happen to you. I don't have to anyone I know. I need to dig deep. So if there are three chapters of the Bible you want to read again, look at again, pray over again. They're the ones we've been looking at during this Zion season. And I give you this homework to do. This week to go back to Matthew 5, 6 and 7. Read these chapters again. Let God speak into your heart again. And understand this. That these things are written for us, not for God. That if we will put them into practice, it's going to change our lives.
and to the glory of God, the lives of other people around us. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.